When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now, the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the 1871 podcast. And today is the 40th anniversary of the announcement that Reading were going to be merged with Oxford United. So can you imagine that now, Reading fans? Um, but yes, that, that really happened um, back in 1983, April the 16th, 1983, um, news came out that, that Reading were going to be merged with Oxford United. So what we're doing is we're bringing you a special 1871 podcast episode today, looking back on what happened in April 1983 and how the proposed merger was, was blocked. And as well as my co-host, Johnny Hunt, we're also joined by some Reading fans who remember what happened all those years ago. So uh, a very warm welcome to John Keane, Keith Harbour, Rodney Pitt and Yunan Carr. So thank you to all of you for joining us. And, and Yunan has stood in before as a, um, as a co-host. So welcome back to you, Yunan. Um, now, before we start, I thought it was worth putting this into perspective. Um, because firstly, I think it's important to say that this wasn't just an idea. It was announced that it was actually going ahead. So as I say, imagine how you'd feel now as a Reading fan if it was announced that Reading were going to be merged with Oxford United or Swindon or whoever, um, just take a moment to think about how that would feel. You know, if there was a real danger that that was going ahead, because that's what happened back in 1983. That news came out, Reading will be merged with Oxford United. So um, just to, for, for those of you particularly who don't know the story, here's how it transpired. So 40 years ago today, on Saturday, 16th of April, 1983, it was announced that Reading chairman Frank Waller had negotiated a deal with Robert Maxwell and that Reading would be merged with Oxford United to create a new club called Thames Valley Royals and the team would play their home games at Didcot. So three members of the Reading board, um, Colin Brooks, Roy Tranter and Richard Cox, they immediately opposed the merger and they enlisted the help of 
former Reading player, Roger Smee, to stop the merger from happening. And my dad, Brian Roach, was also involved. He headed up a media campaign to gain support for Roger Smee's bid to block the merger. And there were fan protests. Roger Smee's legal team discovered that Maxwell had bought shares from Frank Waller illegally. Um, So the merger was successfully blocked. Eventually, Roger Smee became Reading chairman. My dad became a Reading director. Um, And then the rest, as I say, is, is history. But let's imagine for one minute what impact that would have had on Reading Football Club if the merger had gone ahead. So first of all, very simply, Reading FC would have been no more. So there wouldn't have been the record-breaking Royal season in the 80s, no Simmel Cup final win at Wembley, no promotion season in the 90s, no Jamie Curitan goal at Brentford to secure automatic promotion, no 106 season, and Reading wouldn't have had three seasons in the Premier League. And in fact, Reading's last success, if the merger had gone ahead, would have been the Division 4 title in 19, uh, 1979 and our final memory of Reading before the merger would have been the Royals being relegated back to Division 4 despite Terry Dixon scoring 32 goals that season and who knows maybe this would be the Thames Valley Royals 1983 podcast but, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll never know so might be, might be the 40th anniversary of the new club but um <laughs> Safe to say we're all pleased that that didn't happen. Um, and it's fair to say the Oxford United fans are as well, even though they're not doing as well as, as we are, although not doing that well, but we're still in the championship. So, yeah, don't anyway, jinx it. Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's go back to April the 16th, 1983. Reading were at home to Gillingham and the news came out about the merger and Johnny, I think you must have been about five or six back then. So I'm guessing you don't really sort of remember too much about that day, but you've sort of heard a lot about it, haven't you? I, I take that as a compliment, Mark. Thanks very much. But I was actually 11. Oh, well, okay. thank you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I was living down, down in Dorset. Um, and I do remember, like, you know, in those days, we just had newspapers, TV, and that was it. Um, but I do, I do remember it, and I remember it being in the back pages um, about what was going on, and you know, obviously, you know, from a family that lived there, and it was like, what? Like, no, you can't, you just can't, you can't do that. That's our club, and, it, and you know, for anyone. And I remember the uproar about it, but I was actually, it was actually frightening because it was really close. When it gets talked about in like it's going to happen, you don't have the social media streams of constant updates every two seconds about what's going on in the world as you if you do now it was a really horrible fear that it's going to happen um and i you know tight how that you know how long it hangovers for i you know i can't remember but it was it was pretty uh horrific mm. yeah. um, like you know because like my, my 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 parents my grandparents you know being reading fans the Reading fans are not supporting that other lot down the road. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, not just supporting them, but joining joining force with them. So, uh, John, I'll come to you now. How did it make you feel, you know, when you first heard the news about the proposed merger? Was it shock or, or you know, what were you thinking? I mean, it was strange because I, I, I don't remember the game because it was a nil-nil in, with 2,800 people there and it was just drab and instantly forgettable and nothing at all was mentioned 
at the game, um, got home to Wokingham. Those, those were the days when you could get away quickly. I was back at Wokingham in time for the six o'clock news. And that, that led with a picture of Robert Maxwell and Elm Park. And I, you know, um, step back and have a look, turn the sound up and then just sheer disbelief. And as Johnny says, it, it was not that it might happen. It was just presented as a fait accompli. It was all going to happen. And it was just, wow. It, um, really, this was the, the first time ever that it became relevant who the chairman was. Um, in the past, they were just a shadowy figure in the background and nobody ever discussed football finance. Nobody discussed who owned clubs. Then suddenly it was just at the, the forefront of the, the, the whole club's existence. Yeah, and um, I would like to come to you now, Keith. Um, you know, what about you? What were your thoughts when you found out um, about the merger? Uh, and can you remember where you were when you heard the news? And I just want to say, um, somebody, uh, there's a bit of background noise. So um, if who, whoever's got, hasn't got their mute on, could you turn your mute on, please? So, because we're hearing a bit of background noise. So thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, Keith, um, how about you? You know, can you remember where you were when you heard the news and what did you think? Uh, Keith, you, you're on mute. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I volunteered um, in the uh, supporters club shop behind the Tireless goal for years at Elm Park. Um, so, so obviously, I think I was probably down there when when I heard about it. But um, you know, obviously, uh, it was it was an absolutely disastrous thought. You know, losing Reading Football Club and uh, yeah, an instant hatred of Robert Maxwell, really. <laughs> But um, no, I, I, I mean, the, my first thought, you know, when they said about having a march and everything, I thought, well, we need a banner, and that, <laughs> and that's why I've, uh, I, I bought, I made a banner for the march. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't honestly remember exactly where I was at the time, but I think it must have been at the ground because we used to get down at twelve o'clock before the game to set the shop up, and we were there long after everybody else had gone. You know, um, yeah, I mean, that's all I can remember about when I actually heard about it yeah and, and Rodney I'll, I'll come to you now um just want to ask you what you know what your thoughts were when you heard the news about this proposed merger with Oxford United uh, it's very sad and very strange I mean my family had supported Reading since 1900 um my grandfather was born in Reading which is how despite the fact that I live in the West Midlands um I've always been a Reading supporter and I was at that game with the father my grandfather passed on a few years before and we weren't aware of anything really until we got home and saw uh, heard the uh, football scores and then David Coleman saying um, this was going to happen that was a, a, a foregone conclusion and it was only thanks to um, Chanter and to Roger Smee and the fact that um, Roy Tranter gave Roger the access to the documents and the accounts. They were able to find out that Maxwell and um, Co. had issued themselves with extra um, shares because at that stage they only had 40% and they gave themselves another 19% to take it over the, um, the point. And I mean, at that time, Oxford were riding, what, fifth in the division? Reading were fighting against relegation and <laughs> there we go again. 
Um, and the um, we were there and ultimately went down that season, despite um, Kevin's um, scores and everything, you know. And it, it just didn't seem real um, being there uh, and knowing and hearing about what was going on. And, you know, here we are, we've, we've been supporting the family for all those years, the team for all those years. And despite me having moved around the country, we still kept going to the matches. And it was very, very hard to get your head around. And how could um, somebody as poisonous as Maxwell um, kill off possibly the club that I'd always loved? Hmm. Um, and it was heartbreaking. Um, you know, Oxford City Council were trying to um, offer all sorts of sweetness to Maxwell to stay in the city. Um, other, other, another mayor had offered Reading the chance or the, the new venture to go there. Um, and it was all up in the air. And here we were about five games from the end of the season and not knowing whether we were going to have a club for that season. You know, it's looking back now, it just seems desperately hard to imagine what was going on and what was in the mind because we'd always had a respect for the directors of the club up until that moment and then suddenly Frank Waller threw his lock in with um, Maxwell and the whole thing sort of ground to halt and was facing the big abyss. Yeah, um, and Yunan, I'll, I'll come to you now. Um, yeah, I think you were quite young back in 1983, weren't you? But you lived very close to, to Elm Park, I know that. Um, you know, what were your thoughts when you when you found out? Can you remember? Yeah, just about I can remember. <laughs> it was 40 years ago, obviously, and that's coming up um, quite soon. So, yeah, uh, I remember similar. It must have come up on the news. And so I, I went up and got the Sports Post at Wantage Road Post Office, which... You know, back in those days, it would be printed by about 20 past five on a Saturday afternoon and you'd get all the scores plus a little bit, bit of the report of the game. But this time it had the Oxford and Reading to merge on the front, you know, and it, it was like, that's never going to happen. But in my, you know, 40-year-old brain, giving my age away, and the reason I thought it was never going to happen was a couple of years beforehand, George Best, we were going to sign George Best and it was on the front page of the Evening Post. So I thought, similar, this is just, you know, rumour. But then come Monday, it was on TVS. Morris Evans was interviewed on the Norfolk Road, um, you know, where we used to play football and things like that. And it was used as a car park after the games. And he was interviewed and it, it seemed to, this is real, this is, you know, proper. And we, I'd never really heard much of Robert Maxwell at the time being that age, no interest in mergers and acquisitions or business speak at that time. You know, so why was he doing this? This was the question, what, what is, what's in it for him? And, you know, if you think about it, if he had the money, he could have started up a football club separate from Reading and Oxford. What was his, like, rationale? It's probably just he was ingrained with, if you merge two football clubs together, it's going to be a bigger, biggest, you know, business. It's going to make more money. And it was the start of things. He he could see that going forward and he took over Derby, didn't he, after Oxford. But it was a massive change for Reading and it just demoralised things for a while. And I think, 
you know, it was interesting how it all span out because if, you know, your dad and Roger Smee and everyone hadn't got together and if they, if everyone had reacted that this is just, you know, bananas, this isn't going to happen and just sat back and wait for it. You know, we might not have had a Reading football club, but because of the guys who did get together and took this seriously and thought Maxwell's for real, then, you know, it, it ended up that it never did happen and it probably would never happen because of the, you know, Oxford fans that had just been, you know, um, protest upon protests in hindsight. But, you know, the football had club had to regroup and get together and get new funding as well, didn't they? So it must have been interesting times at, at that time. I don't know how you remember it, how it was going on in your life, Mark. Yeah, well, I, um, funnily enough, when you were talking there, Ewan, and I was, I was thinking, I seem to recall that one of the rumours going round why Robert Maxwell wanted to do this was that um, he wanted, he basically wanted to make sure that this new team uh, had Kerry Dixon because of all he's got, even though, you know, Reading went down that season, um, Kerry Dixon scored, you know, however many goals it was, um, 20, 22 or something like that, I think it was that season. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of my recollection. You know, I don't really remember it happening because uh, I hold my hands up. I wasn't, it, it was just before I became a Reading fan, really. Um, and just on that point, coming to you now, John, um, you know, Yunan said he, he took it with a bit of a pinch of salt. Did you think it was actually going ahead or did you think it could be stopped? Um, I mean, I, I didn't know any way that it could be stopped, to be honest. Um, I'm, and I don't know how much of this is hindsight. Um, I'm not sure how much I felt of this at the time. But I, I think part of it was that Maxwell was playing a game of brinkmanship with Oxford City Council because he tried to find so many sites for for a new ground to replace the, the manor ground for Oxford. And I think he was doing a power play and saying okay well if if you won't find me a site I'll go somewhere else and Reading was just really collateral damage in that so so if Oxford City Council had, had given him a site to keep Oxford in the city it, he may well have just walked away from it but it's it, it's all speculation I think it there, there was no way of knowing and I'm, I'm glad we didn't take it to the wire. Yeah and uh, Keith I'd like to come back to you now and I think we were talking before the call started and I I made a, a comment. I think, you know, to put it in context for, for people who can't remember it or, you know, a lot of Reading fans weren't even born back in 1983. But it was, in a way, it was quite similar to the um, recent protest. Well, I say recent, wasn't that recently, but um, the Super League protest, wasn't it, Keith, I think? Yeah, it was very similar in that respect. Yeah, I mean... Um... Obviously, uh, an awful lot of people went on that march, so an awful lot of people felt very strongly about it, which is probably the same as as a Super League, really. Um, Nobody wanted it. Um, The the Oxford fans didn't want it. We didn't want it. And uh, it was just a complete disaster waiting to happen, really. I mean, on my banner, I basically said on there um, that I called them Digcut Disunited with a a, lucky if they get 150 crowd, which they probably would have done. You know, I mean, nobody would have wanted to see a team that was half Oxford, half Reading from either side. Uh, and to, to go and see him at Digcut, you know, I mean, 
well, I wouldn't have gone, that's for sure. And I know an awful lot of my friends wouldn't have done. And I, I was friends with some of the best supporters at the club, you know, because obviously working in the shop, I worked with Colin Bishop and, you know, people like that that are still around at the club. And, um, you know, I'm sure that they would not have wanted to see a team that was just a non-entity, really. Uh, you know, they had no identity. Um, no, it, it, it couldn't happen. And and I think, uh, you know, the, the march said everything about that, you know, and uh, I, I think uh, it, whether or not it would have affected the outcome without the uh, the work of, of people like Trance, um, I don't know. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it just at least it, it showed everyone how we felt, you know. Mm. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, obviously people like Brooks and Trant and Smee uh, are the people that, that really made it happen. And uh, thank God they did. Yeah, and, and Rodney, I'd like to come back to you now. Um, there was obviously the, the fan protest in Reading and there's that famous picture and I, I put it on social media and a, a, a lot of Reading fans um, have said, oh, that's me in the picture just there. And and it was it, it was a bit like the, the opposite of the celebrations you get when you win a league, except they're coming out to, to protest about, you know, their, their club potentially going out of existence. What... What do you remember, Rodney, about the, the fan protest? Well, I, I wasn't living in Reading at the time, although I was there for every match. Um, I think the, the crazy things that were going on was it was suggested at one stage that um, if the, initially the club would play one home match at Oxford and the next home match at Reading and then back again. And you mentioned about Maxwell looking for a site in Oxford. He played hardball with the city council. We did eventually offer him a, a £6 million sports centre development down at Botley, but he was committed to um, Digcut or Wallingford or somewhere in that area. Um, and his aim was to sell off both grounds, obviously. And I mean, that was horrendous. Um, I was 40 at the time and, and um, you know, reading the newspapers and, and talking to people living locally. Um, it was horror. Um, you just couldn't believe it. I mean, if they turned around and said, well, okay, uh, we're going to merge Arsenal and Chelsea and, and have a ground somewhere between the two. I mean, it, it's to us, although, you know, three divisions apart, that was irrelevant to us. Reading was just as important as Arsenal or Tottenham or anybody else. Hmm. And, you know, we um, followed them for years and years, talking to all the supporters, it was ironic, really, that there were more people on the march protesting than there were turning up for home games. Yeah. When you look back, at, I mean, we were fighting against relegation. Here we go again. Um, but we were, fighting, we were playing in front of 2,000 people on a good day. And on, a, on pitches that were atrocious, with a, hot, with a hard, wet leather ball. And... Uh, you know, it it just didn't seem. Surely this can't happen. Not to our club. Um, you know, people like my family who supported the club for years and years and years um, just couldn't believe, and that it was, you know, a topic of conversation all round. Um, and even though I was living down in Guildford at the time, part of the time, um, people were still asking me, "What the hell is going on?" Um, you know, we've got two well-established clubs, both practically bankrupt, admittedly, um, and someone is talking about throwing them into a mix. No, no way. And John, coming back to you now, um, 
what can you remember about the fan protest? Because I know you you've been a fan of Reading since the seventies, haven't you? So, so yep. what what do you, what do you remember about the actual pro, the, the fan protest? Um, just really joining the crowd um, outside what was the Butt Centre then, um, going along the Oxford Road and and turning left. So, I mean, to be honest, um, I I was twenty one. I'd been married for the first time just under four weeks earlier. <laughs> So, so I, I let other people organise it. I was just one to make the numbers up there, but it was it was an interesting experience. But um, I think it's important to put into context the state that football was in at the time, because I mean, Reading was clearly a, a basket case, losing so much money. Elm Park was was falling down. Racism was rife. Um, I mean, people look back and say, you know, the atmosphere at Elm Park was brilliant. Not when you had two thousand people there, it didn't. There, there were some dire days there, um, and hooliganism was was hanging over the game all the time. So, so really, it was in a bad way, and um, something had to change. And you know, this was the cap- the catalyst to to push Reading on. But um, it's um, it's something that had to happen one way or another to to change it. Yeah, and I mean, we, we in some ways we owe Maxwell a favour for for making that happen, but it it was a a damn close run thing. Uh, and Johnny, I'll come to you now because I know you've you've got to jump off. I, I, I think I said at the start of the call, you uh, you're often um, having to uh, double up as a, a co-host and, and childcare at the same time, so you've got to put uh, put your little ones to bed. I know. So, what what do you, Johnny? What, just asking you, what what do you think? Reading and the Reading fans owe to Roger Smee? Oh, we wouldn't be here now without him. And all those people that were involved, like, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, people have short memories and, you know, we're, we're struggling at the minute. Um, you know, the, the scary part of, you know, not having a club is horrific. You know, we support the team through thick and thin, through bottom of the league, top of the league, whatever. We get the good stuff, we get the bad stuff. Um, but when it's in your, you know, it's in your blood, and you know, you're born there, or you, you whatever it is, you, why, why Reading's part of your family in your life? Somebody takes that away from you. It's horrific. I, I don't. I, I, it's it's not just about the football. It's about the community. It's about your friends. It's about the club. It's about togetherness. It's about helping. It's a, I, you could we could go on, you know, but. The fact that somebody decides that they can they can take that away from you, and you don't have a say, is horrible. And, and I, you know, it was that close, wasn't it? I know, I, I, you know, the, the other guys were there and involved in the protests. I was only, you know, youngster with, you know, reading what was going on, but that was that was that was unpleasant, and it was, it felt real, and it felt like you're on the edge, and it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Um, and that's like you know for, for fans now that that that's what it was like. It was really it's like you know the fear of relegation. This is the fear of losing your club. <laughs> yeah, uh, and um, Keith, I just wanted well, Johnny, we'll let you go now because I know you've yeah. got after the kids. But thanks for joining us. Yeah, I might come um, back on if I get one to set with yeah, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I remember those days. So good luck with that. But, yeah. So we might so we might uh, might Cheers, see guys. You finishes. But um, Keith, I'll come to you now. Um, Pretty much the whole of Reading got behind Roger Smee and, and this bid to block the merger, didn't they? They certainly did, yeah. 
yeah, it was uh, it was something that um, I mean, I, I, it really uh, got everybody in the town going. I think even people that weren't interested in football, you know, I was speaking to, they said, they said, you know, that can't happen. Yeah, we can't lose our football club. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, even if you're not a football fan, you know, people still associate towns with football clubs, you know. And even though ours isn't the biggest, you know, that's still the case. Yeah. Um, and, John, I want to come back to you now. Um, this has been mentioned already. And for any Reading fans who, who don't remember Robert Maxwell, you know, what do you remember about him? Because it's fair to say that he, he wasn't really that well liked, was he? Uh, you could say that. Um, I mean, I, I don't think people knew much about him until this happened. Um, and then he, he was a universal hate figure. It, it, it's clear that he didn't understand football in the slightest. He, he thought that people would just change a football club like they, they change a supermarket. But I mean, you, you, you can change your, your job, your car, even your wife, your house, whatever you you never change your football club. It's with you for life. And that, that's just what he didn't realise about fans and, and the nature of supporters. But no, he's, um, I mean, it was really the first time I heard of him. And then then obviously um, <laughs> followed his career like everybody else after that, where it, it came to a, a, a wet end. Yeah. Uh, um, and John also, you know, when it um, finally broke the news that, the merger had been stopped. You know, it wasn't going ahead. We were keeping Reading Football Club. Um, how did you feel? Was it was it a sense of relief or? You know? Absolutely brilliant. Yes. Um, you know, just uh, back to business as usual, but but with the new chairman and and some hope because I mean, under Waller, the club had, was was clearly uh, just slowly dying, mm. um, and it so it, it it was a double edged sword that. We went through this, but it actually rescued us. But and said so, said so there was hope, not just that this had been been quashed, but we we had a new chairman, a, a bit of investment, a way way forward. And we I mean, we we had to sell Kerry Dixon, which was a tragedy, but we we replaced him with Trevor Senior. So that that was yeah. the best replacement we could have got. So so yes, it was it was really just a a new dawn. I can't put it any other way. It was just a, a new start. And same question for for Keith and Rodney and and also yourself, Union. Um, so Keith, first, you know, how did you feel when when you finally heard the news that the merger wasn't going ahead? Well, I mean, I couldn't have been more delighted. Obviously, I mean, I agree with what John said. You know, it was uh, it was just relief. I mean, I, I can't imagine you know losing my football club. You know, I've, I first went over there when I was five years old to Elm Parks. My dad used to work in the Spread Eagle. And um, so 1957 was my first game and I started going down there in the early sixes on my own. And I just cannot imagine not having that. You know, I'm still a season ticket holder now. And, um, you know, I mean, I can't imagine losing a football club. It is a part of your life and it always will be. Yeah. And same question for you, Rodney. I mean, you know, the news comes out. It's not happening. You know, how, how are you feeling? Well, having grown up in Oxford, um Maxwell was known to us because uh, of his investment in, in Oxford in publishing. Uh, and then he bought his way in Port Oxford United. And he wasn't popular then. And this certainly didn't do anything to raise his popularity. I mean, you had this crazy situation that suddenly you had a new potential, a new club with 45 players. What on earth are they going to do with them? And as I say, the the hate grew in Oxford, just as it did in Reading. Um, 
And it's strange because living up in Shropshire, I'm now campaigning trying to get on the local councils. And because I wear my reading fleece, the number of people that have asked me even now, um, wasn't weren't you involved with the with the Maxwell business? And you know, it, it still rumbles around. You still get people that remember. It may not be ad ardent football fans, but it had such a wide repercussion right throughout the, the whole community, um, both in Oxford and uh, in Reading. But it seems to have permeated right across the football world, I think. Um, yeah. And um, I'll come come back to you now, Union, if that's okay. Uh, obviously, you were uh, you know, very young back in those days. But what do you think you would have done if the merger had gone ahead? Would you have started supporting Thames Valley Royals, or what? What do you think? Um, yeah, no way. It would have been uncon- you know unconceivable to think of anything having lived just down from the club and Elm Park and the feeling of when you're walking by that stadium and hearing the, the roar of the crowd when the goals used to go in. So it was just a relief when, you know, Roger Mee and his team, you know, won the day really from, you know, the previous, because it, it was, you know, for want of a better word, you know, grey men in suits running the club, you know, too old, not any direction. And it was pity because, Morris Evans, we lost him to Oxford and he went on to win the League Cup with them, you know, with Ray Hooton, who scored the goal. And, you know, we were watching on, seeing Oxford then doing well and we were being relegated and, you know, we got promoted again and things were looking up under Roger Smee and, you know, him being an ex-player as well, chairing the club, it all seems to, to be moving forward in a better direction and we kind of overtook Oxford then at times. So it's just relief that we'd moved on and Maxwell was that catalyst to go, you know, like this is a prime target for a takeover to to destroy this club. And, he, you know, he got short shrift and told where to go. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like we've had some really great years since then, whereas Oxford had faded in the background and struggled they you know, maybe may coming back, but yeah. I'm not sure they've still because they've only got three sides of their ground. I'm, I think that still might. Yeah, be but, we've um, got a lot more history now, and, yeah. uh, and so much more success because of those guys working hard. But to, even to you know, from their from their point of, of view as well, um, you know, they they didn't want it to happen, and I'm I'm sure the Oxford fans who you know have been Oxford fans for 40 years plus still feel the same, even though they are where they are now. And maybe they'll sort of come back up at some point. But look, Roger Smee, he became chairman. And and the following season, um, Reading, as they still were, they won promotion back to Division 3 with um, Trevor Sini. He scored uh, 41 goals that season. Uh, Amazing season. Um, You know, coming so soon after what happened in 1983. So, John, I just want to ask you, what, what was it like that season, knowing that you could actually still be a Reading fan? Uh, just brilliant. It, it was like night and day from the, the previous dire, um, half-empty um, relegation season. Um, it, so suddenly, there, there was a bit of colour and a bit of optimism. Um, it, as I say, it, it was a new dawn. 
Uh, Trevor Senior, I mean, was it something like three goals in the first six minutes of his debut against Stockton? Yeah, I think so. Port, I think it was. So, and there we never looked back. It was just a, a, a brilliant season to be involved in. And it I, just like night and day compared with the um, beforehand. Although th- there is one highlight as well of that season that uh, probably more than the March uh, sticks in my brain. The away match at Oxford. Um, at the beginning of May, so only about three or four games after um, the, it was all announced. Um, clearly, there was so much, ne- so much needle in that, and we went and beat them two 0 So I, I still remember the the satisfaction of that that cold, wet evening. Yeah, and as a Reading fan, John, um, looking back now, how, how do you feel about what Roger Smee and everyone else involved did to stop the merger from happening? Um. I mean, it, it, it's strange because, I mean, I, for many years I've been involved in supporter activism and, and this, this was the start of it. And I, I suppose in some ways being on that march eventually led me to be vice chair of the Football Supporters Federation for five years. But I'm I'm conscious of the fact that the supporters marching in the end, it meant nothing. It was the, the diligence and the, the the legal brain of Roy Tranter and the others who actually stopped it. So it was it was free men and lawyers who stopped it. The just with so much else, the views of the supporters, obvious as they were, were just completely irrelevant to everybody. But it also showed. I think it went to show, as you saw, you know, the Super League protests. It went to show what the strength of the feeling was. So in that in that way, it kind of just supported you know, everything else that was going on. And and what about yourself, Keith? You know, looking back, it's 40 years ago now that that happened. Um, Reading were in danger of not just getting relegation, but going out of existence. How do you feel about the people who, who saved the club, basically? Well, obviously, we're indebted to them and we always will be. And um, as it happens, um, Simon, my best friend who uh, worked in the shop with us, was a guy who carried the banner with me in the march. He subsequently went on to be a, a vice president, and he still is a vice president. And um, obviously, Roy was a vice president. So um, we came to be very good friends with Roy. And um, and it was, uh, well, I would go as far as say it was an honour to be a friend of, of Roy. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget him. He was one of uh, the great guys and uh, a true gentleman. In every sense of the word, and uh, and I never forget that uh, bone crushing handshake that you got every time you met him. <laughs> he was a lovely guy, and um, uh, yeah, we owe him everything. And, and same question to you, really, Rodney. Looking back now, all these years later, um, you know, what what do you think about the the, the strength of um, you know Roger Smee and and the team of people around him? It's sort of went to prove that if you want something enough you uh, and you do things in the right way you can you can make it happen what 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 do you think that you know that um uh Roger Smee and, and everyone else that was involved stopping that what, what do you think that really meant and still means to Reading now I think it meant everything um the fact that we were so fortunate twice um with uh, Tranter and Smee, and then with Sir John, both uh, both separate occasions, but picking us up out of the mire and, and leading it forward. And I think to those sorts of people that understood what was happening and were in a position to actually do something about it and give us a club that we could be proud of and could love and could go forward with, 
And um, I think the question is now, where's the next one going to come from? But uh, that's perhaps a question for another day. But no, it just means everything. As I say, my family supported me since 1900. I've done 70 odd years. Um, and uh, my son has a son, uh, 20 grandson waiting to come. And it's there. It's, it's our life. It's, you know, you, you can, what is it? they say you can take Reading out, you can take a man out of Reading, but you can't take Reading out of a man. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm pleased to say that that Johnny's joined us, so I'm going to leave the final question to him. But but before that, Union, I'd like to come to you. Um, perhaps for the newer, the younger Reading fans who remember uh, the 106 season, remember Brian McDermott's team going up to the Premier League, even going back to you know the 90s team under Mark McGee that won promotion and nearly got up to the Premier League, but don't remember as far back as 83. How important and how significant was um, what happened in 1983 to the whole history of and, and existence of, of the club? I mean, what, what do you think the, the newer fans should, you know, know and understand about that time? Well, you know, um, it was probably the number one event before um, the age of the internet. You know, it was voted Reading World's number one event in about 2001. That, that, that it was the most important event in the Royals history in around that time, 2001. Obviously, there's events being taken over since then, perhaps. Would it be interesting to know what is the top 20 nowadays? But for a young 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 fan going through, it's, it's the same thing, isn't it? Just imagine if Southampton and Reading, some Morkill felt we, we need to get into the top six or a Super League of Europe in order to compete. We're going to do that now. We're going to merge the teams and have them based in, you know, just just um, south of Basingstoke. There'd be the same issue, you know, it, it would be inconceivable, but it would still be a real danger that it could 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 happen. Yeah, and, and Johnny, I'm going to finish off with you because you've uh, you've done your your childcare duties. So welcome back. Going to give you the last the last question. Just kind of sum up, really, what uh, what those events in 1983, 40 years ago, meant for the future of of Reading Football Club and everything that's that's happened since then. The 106 season and Steve Coppel and John Medeski and and everything else that's happened in the more recent years, how how important was um, you know were the events of uh, April nineteen eighty three? I don't even think you could put it into words in in the real terms now of football. Like somebody says, your your club's going to finish tomorrow. You're going to go and join, like you say, you know Southampton or whatever, or you know it. it, it, it you, you you support your team. You don't support someone else's. And and like that that to have that taken away from you because someone's greedy and wants to to take over the world, and you don't have a say in it, and you and it's not your choice and it's not your doing. Um, and it's not about it's not about the players, the manager. The it's about like you guys saying like you've got family that goes back however long that support the club. We're eighteen seventy one. There's a reason for that. Um, that's our history. That's that, you know, whatever the results of the pitch, whatever happens with the team, whatever happens this season, 
it's our club and it always will be. And 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 if somebody says to you, you can't have that anymore, you go, uh, sorry. How dare you? Like it's 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 just not it's just something, you know, like younger fans, like you say, wouldn't even consider that, you know, they could complain about owners and you've had a few of those recently and, and, and the management and whatever else. But at least we still got our club. <laughs> Do you know that forty years ago that was actually a scary not an option you know so you kind of go be, not be thankful for it you're grateful in a patronizing way but geez we're still here and we yeah. couldn't have been and and i think you you summed it up there really i mean we're we're all still a bit worried about um our reading gonna stay up this season but 40 years ago today we were worried about if we'd still have a club to support because i think the general consensus is that we don't really want to be supporting a, an amalgamation of Oxford United and Reading in Digcot. So I think the analogy of, you know, um, modern day um, equivalent of that would be merging Southampton with, with Reading or something like that. But, you know, that, that sounds like a, a strange idea and a strange thing to say, but that's how it was back in those <laughs> days. So, so we, you know, so we owe the, existence of Reading Football Club and, and all the success that we've enjoyed since then to Roger Smee and everyone that was involved back then. So uh, a thank you to them really from on behalf of all Reading fans. So look, that's it for this episode um, to mark the 40th anniversary of the proposed merger. Thankfully, it didn't happen and we can uh, look forward to the the future as as Reading fans and let's see what happens for the rest of the season. But, <laughs> um, that's it for now. So thank you to, to Johnny, uh, my co-host and to our guests, John, Keith, Rodney and Yunan. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply